everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. It is Monday, and obviously we weren't on on New Year's Day, so the first Monday podcast of the year. We are missing Bickler in action. He's probably half passed out watching Michigan right now. Uh, we figured we didn't want to have him to have a heart attack on air, uh, so we're letting him simmer as he watches that game over there. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago, where it's starting to get mighty cold, and we're expecting more snow tomorrow, which I know, Gally, you guys are getting pounded on the East Coast there. Yeah, I, uh, we got... 14 to 16 inches in my driveway yesterday i spent i spent a good five hours um as some would say playing in the snow just because you put on snow pants doesn't make it fun fuckers um yeah it was it was a lot of work it's going wait a second wait a second you just mentioned just do we have footage i can get a picture sometime i uh Basically, just got uh, I got a pair of like, like adult size like snow pants that go over regular pants. Why um, did you have to mention that it was adult size? Well, because I'm because I'm built like a child, so they don't fit. So they're even, <laughs> so they're even more funny on me. But the whole down to this, I have like a two car double driveway. I have a huge walkway in front of my house that I'm responsible to snow blow and my neighbors don't go out until like the day after the storm. And like my dad always raised me, like, if you got to do the walkway, you should really do the whole walkway because those people are walking on your property. They got to go onto theirs. Like, just do it. If your neighbor doesn't do it, do theirs. So I do it every time, which is the big problem. I did it the first time and now they know they really don't have to do the walkway. It's so really I'm weird. doing all of it. Um, and yeah, so it was just a long day and it was one of those like really long days and I wanted to do it before the match. So I went out in the morning and I did a shit ton and it was like an hour and a half. I had to clean up my cars. We went to the grocery store. We picked up some food. We got back just in time to watch the Liverpool match. It was a great time. We'll talk about that tonight. And then about three hours later, I looked out the window and I realized it looked like I hadn't goddamn done it. That's the worst I, feeling, too. And I had to go back and do it again. But here's the thing. If I hadn't done it in the morning the second time, my snowblower wouldn't have been able to get through all of it in one shot. So I would have been shoveling. So I did the oh, right wait, thing. Wait, 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 wait. Now, this lost a lot of credibility over here that you have. You're doing it with a snowblower. So... You're ultimately okay. just. You what? honestly think that I was out there and sick me <laughs> built like the like your thirteen. You think your thirteen year old would be alive if he had to go out and do a double car driveway with sixteen inches of heavy snow? Are That's you serious? Like, shovel? Five hours is not too shabby for sixteen inches of snow. I'd be out there like all day. Yeah, thank God we don't get that much. And honestly, if we got that much, I would not even try it. I'd be like, you know what? Spring is around the corner. Uh, That's the whole problem. I thought about that. I thought about who can I call? Who can I ask for help? The problem is the only people that will fucking help you are people with plows. And I have nowhere to plow it into because I got a garage and I got a rock wall. So so people with plows are like, no, this is too much work. I got to actually snow blow it. I got to shovel this. No. So, yeah. So it was uh, awful. Weather reports looks like it was just raining. It looks great down in Florida. Great for you, BJ. 
Yeah, like, BJ is over there in Sunshine, Florida. Alan is complaining about some freaking winds, like a, a humid breeze over there in probably Texas. <laughs> I had to carry my dog to a section of the yard so it could go to the bathroom because the snow was this deep. I don't want to hear about anybody's trouble in Florida. I think, you know what, we've been lucky actually is, uh, since we had, like since Leo came over I, we haven't had that much last year there was one time where i was like man i don't know if we're gonna be able to see this fucker once he gets out there uh because it was because you know just like they just go in the backyard and stuff and i was like oh that's gonna be a close one but uh luckily they love uh, playing around in the snow uh i mean we had to do uh i mean i watched the new year's day uh game in vegas uh after the new year's basically the new year's day we flew over there and we had to do like a remote feeding because uh, Kazi was uh, with me. So we were watching the game at the Vegas with the Vegas group there. And he was like, dude, the dog, the snacks. I was like, damn, that's right. So I had to text Layla. And she, I did not ask for this, but she sent like video proof that they were getting the adequate amount <laughs> of like, snacks. She was like, oh, how many? And I was like, one for each goal. And then you got to do the, 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 the more major snack for the final three points kind of thing and yeah she asked she actually sent via text video footage of them getting the snack so we were like it wasn't i think my favorite part is outside of the fact that you could text your college-age daughter to keep up with the liverpool goal scoring and when the match was over to give extra snacks but i think the best part is is that you met one of our listeners and one of our contributors and guy who's on our pre-match shows all the time and occasionally on the morning shows and has been a you know a staunch advocate of this uh programming for years you meet him and the first thing he talks about is your dogs getting the snacks during matches like that's right up there with like someone meeting us and being like meeting bickler and being like i want your therapist's autograph and I feel like, you know what, that's a great point, you know, like it, it, there are some times where like the world's aligned and uh, that just proves people are listening. They don't listen to the football takes we have, but they listen to crazy ass shit like me hating kids begging for jerseys and yes. pulling it out in a bar things. in Liverpool or you giving your dog snacks. <laughs> yeah, certain things definitely stick a lot more than our uh, Liverpool opinions. Nobody seems to care that much about those. <laughs> But let's get to those. But why we're yeah, at let's it. get to those, I guess. But yeah, so uh, the holidays are over. The new year is here. An excellent start to the new year. Obviously, the Newcastle game, and then the Arsenal game yesterday. And honestly, as you watch the game, we were talking about this this morning with Matush. I mean, you can kind of like consider ourselves in some ways lucky that they couldn't finish and capitalize, and they were so poor in front of the goal, especially. In the first half, we couldn't do a build-up and stuff like that. But the more I think about the game, and obviously, I mean, the result is a no-brainer, right? It's an excellent result, especially with the draw today where we get Norwich or Russell Rovers and stuff. So, like, the pathway is open. Not only our, you know, matchup, but you see Tottenham playing City and stuff like that. Chelsea and Villa, I think, right? So, people yeah. eliminating each other similar to what happened in the League Cup. So you're like, whoa, wait a second. It's almost like we took the exit and the highway is wide open so you can get on the left lane and cruise kind of an ordeal. I mean, obviously, nothing is one till you play it. But I feel like the more I look at the game yesterday in retrospect, I feel like there were so many actually positives to take out of it, which is odd coming from me. Yeah, I, 
I thought there were a lot of positives too. I was down on the performance to start because they just kind of looked flat. And I think what really bothered me was how poor the midfield looked. And I know it's a disjointed midfield. Elliot and Jones haven't played a lot together. McAllister was back and playing in the six. So where we go and no Van Dyke. So calling it fair there. Same time, those are all guys who I think should be fighting regularly looking for starting positions and demanding starting positions here. So I would have thought they would want to show. And I thought they were really, really poor and kind of getting run all over the pitch, especially the first 20 minutes. I mean, that to me is where we could have been down 2 nothing, and it's, you know, turn off the lights. I thought the resiliency the side showed as the half went on and how they kind of worked their way into it, especially in the second half. Uh, but I did think there were a lot of really good performances, none more than Kanate's performance over 90 minutes, which yeah. to me was not just man of the match worthy. You know, it was, I saw a lot of tweets, like, let me introduce you to fr the, you know, future of France's defense. And all we've heard about is Saliba for so long. And it was like Kanate winking in the purple uniform. Um, they're probably going to be partners at some point in France's defense because they're both very, very good. But Kanate yesterday looked like a guy who wanted to prove he could lead the defense. And I thought that was probably one of the most impressive things I took out of that match was his leadership and how vocal he was at the back and yes. just how often he was in the right position and helping people out to be better. Yeah, I mean, he was running the back line, kind of took that Van Dyke role, which is impressive to see. I guess the only concern with Kanate, and, you know, when we were talking this morning about, you know, what we'll see in the League Cup and stuff like that, can he stay healthy and do that on a no. regular basis? I think if he stays healthy, he can do that on a regular basis in terms of, you know, how he plays the game, his physicality, how, how well he reads things overall, and obviously his physical uh capabilities in terms of his pace and stuff like that the key is going to be is he going to be healthy enough to continuously do that i mean i felt it did start rough but i don't even know if hold on you have you must have fans uh i, yeah. I do it, it's only fans my only fans. Fan, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know, you look at that lineup in the beginning. I really felt like that midfield was almost set up to fail a little bit, maybe because Van Dyke was missing, so we couldn't build any, like, play to... You kind of, like, left it to Kwanzaa and then Gomez. They were shifting everything towards Gomez. I mean, I thought they played it really well. You could see Nelson was constantly chasing Trent around. Even that meant he left his wing totally open uh, so that Trent can't build... And obviously, it comes to Gomez, and Gomez only has the right foot, so he has to either, like, he did lose a ball a couple of times, or yet we were aimlessly kicking the ball forwards. But once we changed, I know we've talked about this before in terms of subs and how they impact the game, but I thought it was more about how we came up and lined up in the second half, even before the subs, that changed the game overall. Yeah, you thought the the actual change of the formation at halftime, where he where he strategically moved Gakpo up top and pulled yep. Elliot back to the midfield. I think I've 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 been here saying I don't like Gakpo in midfield, or I don't think Gakpo is best used in the midfield unless you're playing with four attackers, and that's the reasoning for it, because yeah. you want that deep lying player to kind of run off the others. 
if he's just playing in midfield to play Harvey Elliott on the, in the front three, I'm never going to be for that ever. Like, it didn't make any sense. And I thought Klopp looked at everything, how awkward we were at times, and said, the most uncomfortable person on the pitch, other than the person who did Ben, White, ben White's eyebrows, right? That person, the second most uncomfortable person on the pitch, other than his stylist, uh, the person who runs his tanning bed, whatever it is. That guy is putting in it overtime, by the way. It really was. <laughs> it, it, it was. I mean, he is bronzed. Like, he, I swear to God, it's like he's going for, like, he's going to play, like, 18-year-old Donald Trump in a movie coming up. Like, it makes no sense. He's orange at this point. He was worried because as soon as that half started, he realized, I have Darwin Nunez running at me now Yeah. on a yellow card. On top of that, you put Gakpo through the middle. You move Diaz to the right. He became way more lively. Seemed like he had an actual bead and where to make a run. Because, and I think this is a big key, we've said this before, I don't think Jones and Diaz and Robertson, as we've talked about, really work very well on the left together. But I think Harvey Elliott has proven when he's in the right of the midfield, every right winger works well. Yes. Because when it's Mo, when it's been, I mean, even Mane at times last year, when he's been out there, even Jota out there, it's like Harvey Elliott seems like he has this connection because I think he doesn't try to do too much. And I thought Harvey Elliott was really good again. Like, I thought he was okay in the first half up top. I thought he was really good once he moved into the midfield. And I thought he I thought he put in a performance until he got taken out. And I know people on Facebook were like, oh, yeah, they're taking him off because he was terrible. And I wanted to be like, he's taking him off probably because he's going to start in the League Cup. Like, I think so as well. I think, you know, when we were talking in the pre-match, I mean, this is basically what I was hoping to see is how we started second half. And that was like, you know, we didn't know how that three was going to line up. We were even looking at Sofa score to see what the hell they're guessing kind of an ordeal. And this is like kind of what I wanted to see because I felt like that is the only way I could see that working. And when we didn't start like that, then I was like, ah, so you have Elliot now with no really top speed on the right wing. You have Gakpo playing midfield. You have the six. That's not really a six. So it was very natural that, you know, they were going to struggle. And you're going against Arsenal. And regardless of how much they're reeling and how, like, kind of lost, like, Lego head looks, it's still Arsenal. And they know how to press. They have it. I mean, their strength is midfield. Even when we brand Trent's in there, try oh, to, like, were... outnumber them, they have a very solid quality midfield, both in creativity and – and let's face it, if Kai Havertz, I mean, I keep saying this, but if he was wearing purple, uh, he would probably have a better rating on Sofa score than he did as an Arsenal player. Because really, any other more competent player instead of Kai Havertz over there, we were probably in trouble in that first half. Yes. I mean, we, 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 we witness a guy playing in the middle who looks the physical part all the time make some pretty horrific misses. And I still don't think he misses anywhere near as much as Kai Havertz. And at least with Darwin, you can kind of point to some other things he does. At times, I think you look at Kai Havertz and you say, like, you can see all the attributes that, you know, Chelsea wanted to pay all that money and then Arsenal paid all this money. But it's like at some point you realize you're just paying for potential. the potential or the, you know, the mirage yeah. of this physical specimen that shows up to the training grounds. Like 
you can win a physio meeting and a physical by being really good in the gym. Doesn't mean you can do it on Sunday afternoon, you know, at the highest stage. And I think he was put in positions. The header he misses is. Yes. I mean, Nunez's header was a bad miss. That one by Havertz, because he misses the goal by three, 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 four feet to the left. And all he has to do is take it to the right. It's a straight header to the right. And he, because yep. I think he just misses it on his head. Um, I, I genuinely think that Arsenal is in a little bit of trouble. But I think this match was actually more about us and our resilience and what should make people believe we have a chance to win titles and trophies this year and maybe even win this big Premier League that we, you know, are so dying to get our hands on. Because wins like that start to give belief. And especially when your squad players are doing it without your best player. I think this goes a lot more than a third round win on the road at Arsenal. Yeah, I think it's the manner it came in, right? I mean, you yeah. kind of faced adversity, whether it's kind of like half of it, I still feel like it was our own doing uh, in terms of how we lined up out there, uh, baby. I mean, Klopp even mentioned that he did not expect the formation that Arsenal came out with. They weren't expecting that, and he was like, that's on me, not on the boys, because I think he realized that he was kind of setting him up to fail there. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, the, the players you're missing, uh, I mean, you're missing the spine, you're missing, you know, now we're mentioning it, I guess, and though I don't think two, three months ago we would consider, like, missing, uh, but just when he was getting comfortable in that spot, you're missing him. Obviously, Van Dyke, you're missing... One of the world's best players in Mo. I mean, you're missing a lot of key components. Saboslai, despite his poor form, we still know what he's capable of. So you're missing all these players. You kind Robertson. of faced adversity. Robertson, yeah, we pretty freaking forgot the fact that we don't have a left back, actually. We're playing the right back at left back. And which, by the way, we should definitely talk about Gomez and give him some props, too, because I know he made a few mistakes, but I mean, this is two games now where he's kind of put Saka out of commission and made him like irrelevant. I know everybody's like, oh, he's not good as Mo and stuff like that because nobody wants to give credit to Gomez somehow. Uh, the fact, because if it was on the other side, it would be like, oh, he had him in his pocket. Or if it was, you know, somebody Van Dyke was covering. But when it's somebody going against Gomez, it must be the guy and not Gomez. I think you saw that Gomez's speed and physicality really, really bothered Saka a lot. Um, but going back to that, I mean, you're missing a lot of pieces. You're facing adversity to come back and win. I think it's even more valuable than going out there with a full 11, almost like, you know, kind of controlling the game and winning 1-0 and getting out of there. Yeah, well, I think we have to – listen, if we're playing our best 11 and they're playing their best 11 at Arsenal, there's still a chance that we're not playing full throttle and winning the match by just – you know, getting all, you know, like I, my biggest thing that I've always said about this team and this side is that they have to believe because I think that when they go out there and play the way that they do, I don't know what that comment is, but you got to bring it I up. I don't know team. either. Yes. Uh, Bickler I and mean, who can't physically or mentally for that matter. Uh, join us. Apparently, he can't join us with his legs either. Uh, physically, part is confirmed because I don't know what he's doing, uh, but he can't feel his legs because uh, I think... Oh, it's, it, 
yeah, they scored again. So yeah, they, they, they took the big lead. Oh, yeah. Michigan is on their way. Um, we won't talk about any scandals or anything around that because all that matters is is winning football, man. I hear Harbaugh is taping football this matches. so he can, you know. Well, I mean, he should be taping it because, <laughs> I mean, everyone pays attention to this award-winning commentary. Um, and by that, by everyone, I mean clearly Bickler while he's watching the national championship game. We appreciate it. And while you're at it, everyone like and subscribe. Um, but or in his own words, hold on. In his very own words, like and subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah, always have a drop ready, even if that drop's not here. Um, I do think where I was going with that is, is <laughs> believes in itself, and when they believe in itself, I think that they genuinely create kind of a siege mentality and we've talked about it before like we use the var comments we use the other coaches i think in this situation they they did use like we are down our captain our the guy who scored the most goals ever in the premier league for the club the guy who just was voted player of the month month yep. that we finally have bedded in and is starting to prove his worth and and now i love how like he went from this guy can't ever play. He should never play. It's like, when is he coming back? <laughs> Without him. Like, I was like, wait a second. Endo literally just became, like, the only person who thought Endo was this important is the guy who can't feel his place. Okay? That's the only guy that was screaming it. But what I will say is, is we have to find a way to keep this momentum going through not just the league cup matches, but the league games that are going to happen. Cause it is one thing to pull it off in a cup match where everyone rallies and the kids come in and you all like support the big yellow card that the kid, you don't know his last name, you know, number 64 is, you know, Bobby Clark. And it was a great takedown. I know yeah. God, he celebrated the yellow card. Like he did the goal. <laughs> um, and it was a good yellow card. It was at yeah. the right. But we, we, we have to be a little bit patient, a little bit paused. But I think there were more positives than there were negatives. And ultimately, I read a lot of people want to complain about the match. We left the Emirates moving to the next round, and we got a draw. Complaints? I, I saw people complaining about Gomez that he turned the ball over twice in the first half. And if it wasn't for Kwanzaa, I, I saw people crediting Kwanzaa. For like picking up Gomez throughout the match. I thought Gomez was arguably the second best defender behind Kanate. And I thought he was really good going forward. And in distribution, he gave people complete, like he gave outlets and created both with Diaz and with Nunez. And let's be honest, he came about as close. I thought he might actually score when he came yes. inside on his right foot. And I will say, I don't know if it was the announcer or someone in Discord, but they were like, could you imagine what the celebration will be like when he finally scores? And I I, I bet he doesn't even celebrate. Like, I bet he just literally runs and, like, doesn't even know what to do. Like, I know Kazi would say, like, I'll close off and I go straight into the straight into the cop, you know, butt naked into the cop. That's how it goes down. Um, I if I'm Joe Gomez, I probably just stand there and just look around. Like I look for my mom in the crowd, like whatever it is, like 
it's probably the same thing an eight-year-old would do because he's been waiting since he was that age and he still hasn't scored a goal. I think, I mean, he just has that law run title that he will never get a, get rid of until he leaves and is passed on to somebody else that anything goes wrong. Fair. If he's in the vicinity, uh, he like they, they pull him to the police station for questioning. And that's basically like what happens to the kid. And I know, I mean, I can think of one situation where he lost the ball. And I think that was mainly because of how we lined up and how Arsenal kind of like attacked that in terms of like Nelson covering Trent, nowhere to go with the ball. How many times did we see that ball go from the right side to the left side and Kwanzaa basically dumping it on Gomez at the end? Either Kwanzaa chipped it aimlessly towards because he had nothing else to do. If Gomez was open, he was like, here, you do something with it because I'm not going to build up play. And then you're giving it to a guy who's receiving the ball with his right with his back, and he's not a left back, so he can't use his left. So it's just a mess. So he has to obviously cut back. And I think, obviously, any team that's playing us knows this, that you're playing a right-footed guy as a left back. It doesn't work like a winger, people, uh, when it's the back. It, it does not work like a winger. It's like cutting into shoot. It does. It did work when he cut into shoot like a winger, like the one you're mentioning where you almost scored. But when you're defending and you're trying to build play, it just does not work like that. So... I really thought he did well overall. I know, you know, Nunez is always a topic of conversation, but I think we're just going to have to use him the best we can, which is probably left wing. Do you think moving forward, what we see with Jota coming in, I mean, what the adjustments we made at halftime, obviously we made some adjustments to be able to build play from the back. But more importantly, we did change that front three. Do you think we found what we're looking for in that front three? Or Klopp goes back and says, oh, that was because Arsenal was playing like that. This is the front three that I want. I think that will be the front three that starts a lot of matches over the next four or five weeks. Because I, I've said this before. I still will always say I think Jota is the best game changer we have from the bench. He's the only player that needs five minutes and can win you a game. Like, but lined up touch the same way? Like lined up no, how I, we started I, or lined up how we started the second half? No, I think we start matches lined up how we started the second half, not only because it worked, but because with these players, it's what's best. And I'm going to come back to something, and I know I sound like a broken record. I think Darwin Nunez will go right back into the center of the pitch as soon as Mo comes back because I think it makes Mo happy. And Darwin seems to have a connection with him where they know where they're supposed to be, and they his pace helps Mo and creates space for runners. And, you know, Darwin was really, really good without getting a lot of credit in the Newcastle match. Because yeah. he ran both center backs. He No, he ran both center backs all match long, and all the goals we scored were basically created. One off his assist and the other off the space he created outside. Of I mean, they, he was he was good in the Newcastle match outside of finishing. And I understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not even making excuses for him anymore, Tamuchin. I'm really not. But his job that day, it looked like tactically, was to make sure those two big-ass center backs had jobs to do that didn't allow them to help out with Diaz and Mo, And Diaz and Mo were really, really rampant. And then Jota comes in and does what he does late, and, you know, we we get the points. I just – I thought Nunez was good in the middle against Newcastle. I thought he was poor in the first half against Arsenal, but I thought all of the front four or five players were really disjointed and didn't look great in the first half in this Arsenal match. And I thought Klopp putting him on the left, freed him up to attack. And I felt like he knew his job. He did his job. 
I still think that Darwin and Gakpo are starting to show they can play together, but Darwin's got to be out on the left and Gakpo yeah. doing his thing in the middle. And that means Diaz on the right. I just think Jota, he probably starts a match or two while Mo's gone. I think he comes from the bench in almost every match, and my bet is he ends up scoring the most goals during that time too. Very positive. The thing I like about Nunez on the left is I, th I think it helps Nunez more. I mean, in the Newcastle game, I mean, some of the decision-making he does is really mind-boggling. Like, the, some of the runs he decides to do or some of the passing he decides to do, I almost feel like he plays better when he doesn't think. Nothing against wingers. There's a bit less thinking involved compared to playing in the center. And I think, especially for a guy who has trouble also staying onside, it's a lot easier to stay on as a winger. Because uh, he can get those balls from, like we saw it against Arsenal yep. as well, uh, both to both Diaz. And and here's the thing, when Van Dijk is in that lineup, that's a lot easier to get those diagonal balls to kind of like go across over the defense and have him run after the ball. Because I feel like when he's doing the minimal thinking, when he's playing natural and doesn't overthink things, he's a lot more effective. And the moment you put him in the middle and he's confused about, I mean, Klopp was talking about this in the post-match as well in terms of how how bad our decision-making was in terms of the press we did, which is what left, you know, the midfield and defense in shambles afterwards. And that was, again, I think because of how we lined up up top and you had people, you had Elliot, who's not used to pressing in that sense, right? He, right. Knows, in that be, position. he knows where to be when he's playing in Gakpo's spots. And you have Gakpo, who was kind of like always a second late, looked like in that pressing. And I think that kind of comes with having, you know, Elliot next to you on the wing and then Trent behind you. That's not really a spot for him, I think. I know because if Jones is not there, Gakpo is probably on the left-hand side, which probably suits him better as well. But then oh, he Jones in there because he's probably your most efficient midfielder right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I was having this argument today with people on Facebook, and I'll just – I used to be the guy who bagged on Jones, and I just feel like now I'm, like, outside of Kazi, I'm basically, like, the mayor of the Jones fan club. Um, I don't know how it happened, but I – and I but you know what? No, I do know how it happened. I watch every single match and then I watch most of them back and nine out of every 10 times I see the guy play, he puts in a solid performance doing his job and looks like he understands. It. And I think the thing with Jones is, is that he is our best option on the left-hand side of the midfield. And I think he's our most consistent midfielder. Yeah. I just think that when you put him out there and you have, a guy like Gakpo on the right, you're almost putting two guys out there who kind of want to do the same thing, except for one is naturally in the position they should be playing and like understands it. And the other guy is just trying to like figure it out while also having a guy in front of him who probably shouldn't be playing in that position. And a guy behind him who is too often in his mind thinking he's supposed to invert and drop into the midfield because of some tactical formation we have that that leaves more spot for me, the unnatural midfielder yes. to be responsible to cover. Which yeah, there's is a reason why Sabosta is top in the league in terms of how much he has to run. And it isn't because he wants to run that much. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not by choice. By the way, uh, before we keep moving, I'm going to give yeah. it back to you. Cause I know you wanted to, I know you want to talk about Jones forever, but we are finally live yeah. on Instagram as well. 
the additional oh, yeah. bonus of Instagram is uh, obviously we're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, uh, but we are live on Instagram as well. Because uh, Tunchi is saying that he picked up for Gomez that he started poorly initially, but he did pick up later and kept Saka again in the pocket of his. I think, yes, I, I'm glad somebody in the comments said that too, because I feel like, you know, uh, he should definitely get the praise for that. The bonus, by the way, I noticed of uh, the the Instagram feed is our because of the lineup, uh, our heads are a lot smaller, so people see less of us. So that could be like an additional bonus of following probably means, on Instagram. Probably means ratings are going up. <laughs> ratings on Instagram increase. Ratings but on other channels. Having said that, decrease. you should probably go on and uh, follow us on YouTube and subscribe as well so that you see what you're really gaining by watching it on Instagram. To appreciate the value of it, you're going to get the full screen and the small screen. So you're like, you know what? I'll stick with the small screen. <laughs> I'll let you go back on your Jones praises as the mayor. I I think what it is is I was so wrong. And that doesn't take... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let's clip this. Okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 33, 33, clip. Um, no, and, and you know, and I say it tongue in cheek because God knows if you've listened to this podcast, broadcast, or show long enough in this channel, you know I can be wrong because I make opinions and I'm not afraid to to stand behind them. And if I'm wrong, I'll raise my hand. I really like Jones when he came up because it's always fun to see a kid come up and wear like 47 and score a worldy goal and make you think, be like, oh, he's a Liverpool kid. This is a fun story. He's 18. And it was fun to see him play on the, what was it, the under-19s or under-21 World Cup team that he was so good on, the Euro team that he really dominated with. These are all great things. But he seemed to, like, peter out and or regress right when he started to get praise. And that made me think maybe he was a kid who got, you know, too much too early, got big in his head. You see the pictures on Instagram, and the dude believes he is a model. He dates a fine model. and um you know he just he he's one of these guys he he's out there you know he's in vegas he's in new york city he's taking pictures with dr dre when he's in la on holiday like he's living his best life good for him but when you do that before you make it i start to question what you're really trying to do with the game and what your like career aspirations are i feel like whatever happened to him he hit absolute reset and was like Maybe I got off track. Maybe things aren't going my way. Because I think we were right. We were talking on this podcast that, like, if Crystal Palace offered $25 million, we'd be smart to sell them. $40 million, whatever. Take the English tax and move on. Because that was his level. And I remember we said things like that. Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Fulham. Yeah. He could be a star. He looks a Liverpool player today. The reason he does is we bought $140 million worth of midfielders. And I'd argue he's been our mid best midfielder since we bought those players. And I genuinely think he has another level to go. I do believe that. And the reason I believe it is, is the manager believes it. Obviously, Steven Gerrard genuinely believed it. You know, like you see all these people come out and talk about like the comments and what they said, like believe in this kid, do these things. And I, I think he has a real, real big future. Like, I think he's going to finish this season on an even higher uptick. And I think he has like an outside shot to fight his way into like the English team for the Euros. Like, I think he's that good. 
Like, I think he is that good, does a job that other players don't do. And guys like Milner and Gerard and, and veterans always loved him because they saw maturity in his game and attitude. And I think we're starting to see it's all like clicking up here. And maybe that's what was holding him back is my point. I think that's the childish like immaturity. Sorry. Uh, Brian says Jones went through that early 19, 20-year-old slump. And I think that was the issue. Like, I don't have him – I don't have a problem with him, you know, living his best life because uh, at least it was not – you know, you didn't read it on the papers that, you know, he had a DUI. But, yeah, you saw, like, Instagram, he's here, he's there, and all that kind of stuff. But I think that he kind of had that feeling. And I think that's what we didn't like at the end. And I think it showed up in the in his game where he almost was, like, job done. And, you know, I, I made it. I, you know, I got there. And I think he maybe played like that. And maybe, you know, he kind of convinced himself that. And he even, you know, I watched an interview with him talking about, how he had to kind of like, you know, look, look in the mirror and say, uh, you know what? Yeah, I am not there yet. That thing is gone just like that. When you stop, you got to keep going if you want to make a regular spot. And I think he did mature. It's not the same kid now. I think he's – and his game has matured too. I mean, it's not the same – he still has the flair. You know, we saw what he did to Ben White. But he still oh. has the flair. But I think – now that's used when needed. I almost felt like he used it to use it. I remember like when like Layla was like you know the youth soccer, they would learn a new move every week, and you know that you had to impl you had to use the move in that weekend's game, whatever you whatever new move you made, it was like a you know step over or whatever it was. I almost felt like you know he came out to the games at the time. Like saying, like, I gotta do this move today and try to kind of like do that stuff. Whereas now, and I think people liked him more then somehow, right? He, because he was like, you know, he had that flair, and people appreciate him less now that he's playing more disciplines. He's kind of like probably the closest thing we've had to genie in terms of controlling the pace, controlling the ball, moving the ball. I said it today in a, like an argument. Someone was literally saying, like, Jones is only playing because guys like Tiago aren't available. And I was like, well, if you're really comparing these players at this point, it's almost unfair because what Jones has done over the last – this season and even the 15 matches last year, that's a 25-match string yeah. that we've never seen from Tiago in a Liverpool uniform. <laughs> that's total no, no. probably what you've seen. But he's never made that many, and and but those aren't all good performances. Because yeah. let's be real, his first year was hot and cold completely, and part of that was learning the country, learning the play, the style, all the different stuff. Like I'm not even putting it on Tiago. I think Tiago's a fine, fantastic footballer, clearly, but we don't have Barca Tiago. Hell, we don't even have the Bayern Tiago. Yeah, and that guy could play fifty percent of the time. We got the guy who plays twenty percent of the time. And it's probably never going to play for the club again. But what Genie did was work so hard and never turn the ball over in a bad spot and lead the press. And I feel like that is what Jones has stepped into. He's the most reliable player on the pitch, on the ball. And saying that out loud makes me laugh inside because my biggest fear used to be him doing three stepovers on the sideline turning his back to another player, watching them take it off his ass and then go score 
And you were like, why are we playing a 19-year-old kid? Why yeah. is everyone so in love with I mean, him? We were playing because like, 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 he's, a, he's a local lad is what we were saying. And that was all the unfairness, in my opinion. And now we flip the script two years later, right? And it's he's only be playing, and you only think he's good because he's a local lad. Like, and here's the thing: if he was a foreign player, we would think he was a sixty million dollar signing that changed yeah. everything in the midfield. But because his last name's Jones and he's got curly, you know, dark hair. And and squawks with an accent that nobody understands, like most of the lads on our side. You know, you hear him talk, you're like, ooh, when did Kermit join the team? But like it it it's always the same thing, right? Like we it it's weird. We talk about the English bias when you want to buy a player, but then there's the English bias when they're on your team. Because all you want to do is go buy another player who's better. Like Sobeside, Gravenbirch. McAllister, they are all so much better than Jones, but none have actually done more to help the team win this season than him. And to be fair, as good as Gravenberch was for a short little period, right? He got to start because Jones got a three-game suspension for a red card he didn't deserve and then got hurt in training getting ready to come back. And then as soon as Jones was able to play again, Klopp found a way to basically say to Gravenberch, like, you're really good and I love you and you have so much talent. But it isn't all clicking yet because you go forward to – he does all the things we used to criticize the young Curtis Jones yes, for doing. Exactly. And I think that's more about – and that's the thing. I don't even think that's just like an English bias. I think that's just a bias of – it's almost like you can make the meal a lot better at home, but everybody wants to go out even though it's a crappy restaurant. Uh, so I, I that's what I feel like. So, you know, people want to shop, they want to go on a shopping spree and get a guy from outside, even though what you had is actually better, but to be fair to you and us, uh, cause I was on the same boat as well. We are not talking about the same player, uh, by name. Yes, but not by attitude and, you know, style and stuff like that. So I feel like the criticism we gave him at the time was warranted. Maybe some wrote him off too early and didn't give him a mm-hmm. chance to do that maturity uh, over there. But I feel like the play deserved the criticism at the time and the approach. I mean, how many times that he would get the ball on the left side and you were like, oh, here we go. He's going to try that Everton goal again. And then it would not go in. Uh, so, but I mean, that's the thing. We're kind of like evaluating a totally different spot. And Brian says, I remember, didn't win that spot. Yes, I think he had an opportunity but I think it's unfair on him as well. We're talking about a guy who joined literally on the last day mm-hmm. and has not – I don't think it's fair to compare him tactically to Jones, who's been in the system, what, like four or five years now uh, since like the youth years. So I don't think it's fair to compare what Gravenberg – you can kind of tell the qualities that Gravenberg brings. And I think in terms of tactically, does he fit what we're doing – it's going to be a lot more, you know, going to take another season or so, I think, to make it fair. Matur says it's still to expect players to not get it or get worse and not allow your opinions to change over time. I mean, I, I agree. And I think totally agree. Anything, sometimes perhaps we say, especially after a certain age, we're like, it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. And maybe that's unfair on some players. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen it, right? We've seen players make big, big moves late in their careers. Like, you know, everyone talks about Benzema. Benzema's a great player, right? Amazing player. Was good at Real Madrid. Was good in France before he left. But he hadn't really become a world, world-class player. And part of that was probably playing in half of Ronaldo's shadow and also having, you know, other players like Higuain there at times and different yeah. managers that wanted to play him over him. And Benzema is a grade-A asshole. If you get thrown off a French national team, you must be the worst possible human being on the planet. But, like... Benzema has got his own problems, but this is a guy who at like 33, 34, literally became one of the best players in the world. I mean, it wasn't until that age he started getting up in the Ballon d'Or award, you know, votings until he got his big money move. And, you know, he was the best striker. Like everyone would talk about all these guys. Everyone talked about every goal scorer in the world. And Benzema was just banging in 50 goals a year for Real Madrid. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah that French guy, yeah. Yeah, like, no, I think that's partially because he is a Real. I can score 20 over there kind of a thing <laughs> with the people until, around. Until you get to Real. Until you become uh, Josalu at Real Madrid. And you're like, hey, 14 was tough, people. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not actually that easy no matter where you are. I just, you know, I, I look at a guy like that. I think there are players that, that – do get better when they get older, but they're so few and far between. Um, I just think that there is there is so much upside in so many players in our midfield. I think it's great. I just think it's so easy for most of the supporters to just bang on a guy. And it's like Hendo was the guy, right? Hendo was the guy everybody banged on. And he wasn't here anymore. And they were like, hmm. You need one he in every this line. other English kid a lot. Dude, you need one in every line. You're like, Lovren is gone. Who's next? Gomez, come on over, kid. And then you're like, Henderson is gone. Who's next? Jones, come on over, kid. You're going to be the and one. The lucky is, and the lucky thing is, is since like Sterling and uh, the unfortunate days of Ricky Lambert, we haven't put an Englishman in the attacking line, but <laughs> nobody needs to worry because Darwin does enough. Because the announcers calling the games spend half the game talking about him and how poor he does. Half our supporters play half the game talking about it. We spend half the time talking about it. And then the other half of the group spends half the time defending him because he does do so many really good things that you could see positivity that you know it's coming. But like Darwin splits the entire attacking front that we don't need the token Englishman up top to take a lot of the, the grief and the blame. We have plenty in in the Uruguay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he that, that he picks up the tab for everybody over there. Jamie, who actually, speaking of, has been a Jones supporter from the get-go. Uh, Fair. He's, he's winning over a lot of fans from his hard work and dedication. And I think I agree to that, but I think, and he said it himself, he admitted it himself, that you know he's made changes to kind of go back to that. The kid, the hard work and dedication that got him those opportunities when he scored a big goal and stuff like that suddenly, you know, disappeared a little bit. I think he realized what got me here. That's right. And went back to the drawing board. And I think it shows. I mean, it shows that. And I think he's earned that spot. And regardless of what he does, similar to what Gomez, it's all going to be the one that's going to get the blame. Similar to Gomez, our longest serving player. 
Where does the kid man have to cut open his pocket to get sucker out of his Sunday night? Exactly. Fair, but, Jamie. I mean, everybody is still talking about the time that he lost the ball. Like the dude loses the ball one game. And I realize it, was, it could have been a very costly mistake. And I realize Gomez sometimes does have it in him to make that costly mistake. But the dude was excellent playing left back as a right back rest of the time. If Trent does that, or if Robertson does that as a right back or something like that, they would be praised for hours and days and weeks. But Gomez kind of like gets forgotten. And, you know, Saka is not as good. Is the, yeah. the, is the line that's being, you know, like everything I read is like, Saka is not as good as Mo, you know, like Arsenal fans are delusional, which they are. Uh, but nobody, not, nobody gives the credit to, when Holland couldn't do anything, nobody said Holland is not as good. Everybody said Van Dyke put him in his pocket, but nobody gives credits to Gomez for having you know Saka in his pockets. That's just yeah, and I mean, and normal. Gomez does this with a twenty-year-old kid making his fourth or fifth top-flight start, like yeah. playing alongside of him while he's playing as a left back with a right foot. Yeah, true. Like, true. and and there were times um, Kwanzaa put him in tough spots. Excuse me. McAllister a couple times put Gomez in tough spots. Uh, even Diaz once like dropped the ball back to him, and then Gomez is like scrambling with two guys. I think Saka was right on him pressing. Next thing you know, Diaz is behind Gomez, releasing Gomez up the left wing. And I'm thinking to myself like, this isn't how it was like drawn up on the pitch. But that's because Diaz put Gomez in a bad spot. He lost possession, and then Diaz was at least smart enough to have the wherewithal to run back and, like, track back and help defend. But I feel like Gomez does get so much criticism. And to Jamie's point, he is our longest-standing player at the club. He's the only – I think he's might be the only player at the club right now that has been there longer than Klopp. I think I'm right with saying that. I think so. I think Klopp yeah, bought so. every other player or promoted them from the youth team. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think Jamie yeah, is right with that, with right. the longest standing, and I'm pretty sure it's that long. Like, the 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 stuff they're doing, like, it just – and this is the whole thing. My favorite part is they're doing it, right, without their best eleven. Yes. And everybody else is talking about all the injuries, right? People are talking about what Spurs are going through, and it's really bad for them. It is. Arsenal has injuries. City has had some injuries. Everybody's talking about everybody else's injuries, but they're just now, like wins like that against Arsenal, getting to the League Cup semifinals, dominating Europa, being two points clear at the top of the table. Like, these results, I think people are just now coming around to the fact that, like, this Liverpool team isn't in transition. They've transitioned. They're not where they were, but, like, they're competitive. They're going to compete on all fronts because they're showing. Right like, now, yes. That, yes. That same resilience. And we don't have our players yet. Like, we're going to get better. I genuinely believe March 1st, this will be a much better football team in whole. Mo will be back. Endo will be back. I think Cohesion will be back. Maybe we have a, a January signing. Who the hell knows? Nat Phillips might be in the roster. Let's go, people. 
Let's not I'm just Let's kidding. Just head I everywhere. Was, <laughs> yeah, I'm not upsetting Sir Z. But it but like we it could be different and it could be better. And I, I think there's like there's real, real reason for optimism right now as a Liverpool supporter. And I think people who aren't looking at it that way, because other people aren't writing those stories. It's not coming yet. It's starting to come. Like that message, you can kind of feel it and hear it. And they're starting to like almost like begrudgingly talk about it on like the sports shows and like talk radio and like it's like they have to acknowledge it. They're like, holy shit, man, they're real. Damn it, people. Liverpool yeah, we, like we thought we had a quiet Liverpool for three four yes. years and it that just did not happen. I think the biggest thing I notice is perhaps and I, I know like Klopp talk about this as well, like you know, they don't think about it that way and they don't, you know, they don't want to give themselves excuses as Oh, this guy is ill. That guy is out and stuff like that. And I think that goes back to having a deeper squad too because mm. I think players see it more as an opportunity to earn that spot, right? We were talking about Gravenberg earlier, like we were talking about Jones. And as opposed to I'm playing because the other guy is out. And, you know, you know that spot is going to be gone. Obviously, like, you know, Van Dyke is an exception to that. Uh, but in like midfield, up top, when you perform, you're going to earn that spot for a longer term as opposed to in the past. I mean, you had your front three. You could do whatever the hell you wanted. You could run on your hands and, you know, scold with your butt. You were not going to replace Mane or Bobby or, you know what I mean? Like, it does not matter. Uh, so I think you have that competition now. You have it in midfield, which is something we wanted. Yes, it's great to have a starting 11 when we talk about Wednesday now and say like this is what we're going to see and we had that when we won the title but at the same time we did not have the depth we have now where you can say you know apart from Ox I was never able to say it's a great opportunity now I can say that for pretty much like six seven guys in the squad look at all these opportunities Harvey Elliott Everywhere. it's your opportunity Harvey and this is a good point by Matej, too. Like, plenty of players on this team that haven't won a trophy. These guys are hungry. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I feel like any Even the guys who have one. Oh, sorry. Even ahead, the guys go. who have one. Even the guys who have one haven't played big roles in winning them. So, like, Jones has a chance. Harvey, they have medals. They were on trophy-winning teams. They have a Nothing chance to be to... there kind of guys. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, they have a chance to play in big moments. And I think that changes, too, because I think that drives them to try to be like, to tell Silverslide, like, you should see what a top-down parade is like in Liverpool when we win a bleeping trophy. Like, if you think, like, if you think being in Hungary when you're voted male athlete of the year is something cool, like, you should freaking party here in Liverpool when these freaking people come out and they're like, we ain't working for three days. One before when we prep, one the day we drink, and one the day we recover. Like, like, like you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it, it's a different thing. And I think Matouche makes a great, great point. Like, I think this team is eager and hungry. But here's another thing for the guys who I want and did play a big role. Uh, I mean, by the way, on Facebook, I mean, on Instagram, Golinada says, uh, so proud of what we became after last season. And I think that's the thing is even those guys, right, like Mo and Van Dyke and stuff, you know, you talk about players, I mean, in the U.S. over here, you know, you would consider them like franchise players and stuff like that. I mean, there is something to be said about winning 
with almost two different setups, right? Like Kobe wins as a Laker with Shaq, but it's almost as valuable on what makes him legendary and what makes him Kobe, aside from Kobe, who won with Shaq, is Shaq the fact that then he wins with Gasol and stuff like that. So I think I'm sure Van Dyke, Mo, Ali, these guys realize that, you know, it's a huge next step to win with the 2.0 version, as everybody calls it. And that's there's like a different pride in that, in winning again with like a different setup. So, I mean, it is exciting to see. And I think the biggest thing is, yeah, I mean, like the surprises, like Leonardo is saying, like Ando Gomez in terms of performances, how fast these younger, like the new midfield gelled and what we're getting out of these guys. I don't want to get too excited too early, but it's January 8th and where we are right now, nobody envisioned this three months ago. Nobody envisioned this, and I'm telling you, we're going to see a match eventually where we see our most, like, dynamic, balanced, and proper midfield of McAllister, Endo, and Jones, and it's going to blow people's minds. Because if it plays well, it is the most balanced and easy way route forward. And I know people are going to say, like, how can you do that, Sobosly, and maybe you change other formations and you do different things. Guy can play in other positions, but I personally think that's such a huge position for us right now. When we see that, I think we really turn the corner. See, Guarme, I hope I'm not butchering the name, by the way, uh, but, you know, I, it would butchers my name, so <laughs> it's a free-for-all over here. He has decided to there. see the bigger version of us by joining on YouTube, and he's probably running Unfortunate. back Instagram as we speak. <laughs> As fast as he can, he's like, this is too zoomed in. But, yeah, welcome aboard. And, yeah, I, I definitely agree. The expectations that we had, even in our wildest dreams, I don't think is where we're at now. But, uh, I mean, hey, another January show. Uh, we had one this morning and have not talked about the transfer window and rumors and crap. So I'm going to keep the slate clean. It's the 8th, and I haven't started talking about it yet. So let's talk real quick about the Wednesday game. Uh, in terms of lineup, do you expect like the same thing? Obviously, Van Dyke coming back from illness, we're assuming. Uh, but do you expect to see the same thing? I expect it to be very, very close. Gomez, Van Dyke, Kanate, and Trent. I expect Allison and Net. Though I've heard some people say Allison started the FA Cup, so um, the that that Kelleher could. I am from close to Boston, my man but not Boston. I'm out in the western part of Massachusetts. Tamushin is from Chicago, so we Chicago, are from I mean, two I of the big one, three yeah. cities. And then, yeah, semi half Chicago, um, half Istanbul. Half um, Turkey. Half Turkey. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's like a half a turkey. It's like, just cut that shit right in the middle. But spell it different. We change it. We spelt it one way for all your life, but now, add some Y's and a couple of Uh But the I think that the 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 biggest um, I think the biggest overall switch, if anything, might be somewhere in the midfield. Like I could see, I think Sobislai will start this match, so I think it'll probably be Sobislai and I'll say McAllister at the base with. Is he gonna be ready Jones to go on the left? What's that? Is Sobislai gonna be ready to go? I thought he was going to be yeah. out for like two weeks. 
Oh, if he's out for two weeks, I'm sorry. I, I thought he was rested on precautionary measures and that no, he might be. Last I had read was, and knowing Klopp, he's not, especially for this, I don't think he's going to risk him knowing the bigger picture. I'm thinking he would be rested, not rested again, but he might show up for the second game, I think is what we're hoping for right now. Well, if, if that's the case, then, then I think it's, it's, it's everything we saw in the second half. From a formation standpoint, it's the exact same lineup, except for I'm going to go swing my vote again. It's Van Dyke in for Kwanzaa, and I'll say Kelleher starts for Allison. Hmm. I mean, I, I think that's a good shot, uh, knowing the games. And I know, like he's talked about before, that Ali does want to play every game, even though he does understand the need not to. I think it's a bit easier for the goalies to say, I, I'll go. You know, it's not like I'm running. Uh, kind of an ordeal, but. Do you disagree? Do you think maybe Jota gets a start over Gakpo? Do you think there's any chance there's another piece of rotation for this match? I can see Jota, but it goes back. I can see Jota starting over Nunez. And that wouldn't Jota be a shocker on the left, Gakpo in the middle, Diaz on the right-hand side. And that impact sub, instead of being Jota, being Nunez instead. Because I agree that, you know, if you want somebody coming off the bench, you probably want... You're not gonna, you don't get the same impact, as much as I love him as a player, uh, out of Gakpo, for example. Uh, but you do get that out of Nunez, we've seen it, and you definitely get it out of Jada, we've seen it a lot. Gekpo seems to be a guy who's like a slow and steady, like builds himself into a match. He might score in the third minute, but like his best play will be in the 30th minute or the 50th minute. Like it, it like comes with it. Where I think like Jota and Nunez are the type of people who could come in and 45 seconds later could kick a bicycle kick from outside the box and you're like yes. what the fuck just happened like what how did he have that in him that definitely takes a different kind of player to be able no, to I, it's in your mind bench. yeah yeah it's why i think and i think sparky just mentioned it i think jota has it in him like it's built in him to be great that way whether it's for portugal whether it's for liverpool even at times for wolves though i i think jota is good enough to be a first team 11 player at a big club I just think when you have a club as deep as ours, his best role might be being match winner. And I think, like, big clubs, like, people joke about Ole, right, at United, and we all laugh about him. But, like, the guy got the the, the Man United job because he'd play 15 minutes yes. every three matches and win all three matches because yeah. he scored big goals in big spots when big things were needed. And, like, there's a different – you said it before, right? There's a different mentality of a person that can make that happen. So I think there's a lot here. You know, I think, to your point, there's a good point about starting Jota in this match because I think you want to score, and I think you want to score early. And if he's your best goal scorer and clinical finisher, you don't want to waste any chances. Because I think there's a spot here that you go up, like, two, three goals, especially this match being at home and win this whole tie in this first leg. Because Fulham isn't having a great season. They don't have a deep, deep squad. I could see them actually looking at this and saying, like, it's great if we can nick a result at Anfield or we could keep it a 1-1 draw or nil-nil. Maybe we can find a way to win at home or get it to penalties. If we take a 2-3 goal lead, they may play kids 
the midweek match they have to play us in between two Premier League games. And we could as well. So maybe you're onto something with maybe like rotating a little bit up front and starting a more like attack minded clinical side. I just I don't know that starting Diaz on the right makes sense if you're not playing Nunez on the left. Because anytime Jota's on the left, I'm always thinking to myself, like, this doesn't work either. Like, I'd rather see Jota in the middle and Gakpo on the left. But Klopp has always yes. shied from playing Gakpo in the position he played his entire career until he signed him. So I, I, I kind of... Because I think I Jota think is better at taking those spaces and cutting in. So I think he does better on the wing uh, compared to Gakpo. And I think another thing is, the only reason I think you have Diaz on the right is... Because you have way too many people, and we talked about this for a while, on the left. Because you can't put Jota on the right. I think we've seen that. You can't really put Gakpo on the right either. Uh, so I would rather probably uh, do that. Uh, I mean, I can see this too. One of the youngsters playing fullback. The fact that this is a two-leg situation kind of changes it totally from the Arsenal game. And you could argue that that's something Klopp likes to do is putting a player on the weekend. Uh, on Usually he does this midweek. The dude comes in for a, a minute, few, for a few minutes, minutes on the, and then he shows up in I, the starting 11 on the weekend. If it's one of those players, then it's Chambers starting. Yes. In my opinion. And, and that would make the most sense, by the way, because you have to be careful. You really have to be careful with Gomez at this point. Like, People, I know we've talked a lot about him tonight, probably more than he's been talked about. Well, <laughs> definitely all year because it's only been eight days. Um, but more than he's been talked about a lot on this pod is that you can't, like, you got to wrap him up. He is literally your backup right back until two different left backs can show their fit. He is your starting left back. Yes. And he is your third best center back. And I know we all love Kwanzaa right now. He is still your third best center back, people. Because you know why? Because that dude won a Premier League medal playing the best center back pairing of anyone in the world at the time. I know he was injured after and everything changed, but he still has that in his in his arsenal and in his game. So I, I just, to me, I think Gomez might need to be protected. And, you know, he, you know, our, our new listener might be onto something here because we are talking, which player would you feel more comfortable playing two matches between Sunday and Wednesday, Kanate or Kwanzaa, and not getting hurt. Yeah, see, that's the problem. And that's the problem probably with Kanate, but, you know, we'll go another hour over here uh, talking right. about that. Because I think when so you look at the future, we might not have – we, we might not know the, anything about this lineup. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that this morning as well. When you look at the future, like, you know, after Van Dyke kind of a thing, if Konate is your main guy, he has to be able to prove that he can do that on a weekly basis and not be, you know, play two games out for three and stuff like that. But before we go, as always, let's end with predictions. What do you have for Wednesday's game? I am going to go 3-1 good guys leave with a good-sized lead. Ah, the Timuchin special. I am going with my special as well. The 3-1 sounds good to me. And I think that is a good first leg score uh, to take to the away game where you can rest people and keep everybody on the bench and say, hey, in case of an, if this game is getting like kind of like a risky, if it's squeaky bump time, uh, we put the big boys in kind of a deal. Sparky is going with 3-0. 
Shelton is going with 3-0. Hey, I mean, that's definitely preferred. That would be the ultimate score, I think, in my eyes. Uh, a 3-0 win kind of tells Fulham, yeah, it's time to pack up uh, out of this cup as well. So while we're making predictions and Sparky's throwing out uh, his 3-0 win, I'll make a prediction on a different topic based on your hat. And I'm going to make the uh, Chris Berman old school ESPN every season prediction. We are uh, circling the wagons, and we are going to see a San Francisco 49ers Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. It's a trip to it's a trip to Vegas. It won't be one that you want, but it's a trip to Vegas again. I, I think it's a one that I wouldn't be able to afford. Is more like <laughs> well, neither of us would be able to afford it. But we don't venture off the uh, beaten path much. But I I saw Sparky's uh, love out landishly shared on facebook uh for his buffalo bills so it made me laugh and made me think as you were wearing your san francisco 49er hat and bickler's you know playing hooky today um i genuinely am saying i genuinely believe the buffalo bills will play the san francisco 49ers in the super bowl and i don't, I don't even that. think it's that far off of a bet i think it's a good bet actually it is a good so bet make it, people i will take that matchup uh bickler is probably a happy man right about now right it's 17-3 his boys are winning but as he would say like and subscribe smash that like button he would say that if he was here he wouldn't but i would still play it uh but thanks a lot everybody uh we've gone way over our regular time it, somehow it goes longer when it's two people i don't know how this happens but uh great chats uh <laughs> Of the year neither of us really want to hang out neither of us want to hang out with bickler that long is really what it comes down to maybe that's what it is yes an hour is what we can say his quarter is an hour that's that's the longest anybody can stand bickler uh so maybe that's why but yeah that might be right he's not listening anyway probably so we can say whatever we want about him uh but yeah thanks to everybody as always do give us a like subscribe grab a friend by the ear and say you should subscribe as well uh youtube facebook instagram now we're on Instagram too, so watch up. A lot more to come this year as well, especially in the next coming weeks. So stay tuned, follow us on social media, and have an awesome week, everybody. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Take care.